This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Well, I mean, there were several different situations there at the end. I mean, we, we you know, we were just looking for uh, the best shot with 16 seconds on. We just wanted to kind of get into something quickly, turn the corner, see what broke loose. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, again, we got a great, great look by one of our best shooters, so. Oh boy! <clears throat> oh boy! How are you okay today? Hey, I knew but it. coming up next, we'll tell it. you how Chris Finch styles his hair. Is it mousse? Is it gel? How does it stay in place for four quarters? And later, you can buy the Chris Finch glasses line because he's selling them now at a pop-up shop in the Target Center court area. That's upcoming. All right, Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports Loathing. Oh, no, we're, no, we have found a way to avoid the negative. That's what we found a way to do. All you have to do. Josh Akogi may be clanking jumpers again. But he's waving Look at his towel. socks. <laughs> and then you might have thought Jose Barrios was good, but wait till you see the crop of kids that was born yesterday who are left-handed. Babies coming up to the twins in only 20 years. Oh, God. oh, okay. Explain to me, please, Carl Anthony Towns. So you, you let's let's unpack this. So Wolves lose last night. That was a uh, mostly full strength Suns team. Chris Paul, Devin Booker. I mean, they're playing a back to back, and you're playing at home. So definitely not like full 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 strength Suns team. But mm-hmm. you've got this team. Kind of on the rope. So Cat scores 16 points in the first, like, nine minutes of the fourth quarter. He cashes a three from the top of the key to put the Wolves up by five points with three and a half minutes to go. Mm-hmm. The arena is bumping. Cat's mm-hmm. thumping his chest. Let's go, right? Like, yes, you finally figured out. You have finally cracked the code of these late-game meltdowns. And then I think they come out of a timeout. I'm pretty sure the Suns called timeout. They come out of the timeout, and D'Lo says, my time. It's my time now. I know that Cat has 35 points on, like, 17 shots or whatever it is, and, and, we're, and, and we're just on a roll here. But D'Lo said, no, 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 come out of this timeout. I'm the finisher. It's hero ball time. From the 340 mark going forward, as the Wolves have a five-point lead, while the Suns matriculate and get every shot that they want, they know exactly who they are. D'Lo shoots the ball seven times in the last three and a half minutes. He clanks 
all but two of those shots. He went one for ten from three-point range last night. Cat, mm-hmm. meanwhile, was five of nine. And yet D'Lo comes barreling in and thinks, I'm going to play hero ball and ice this game down the stretch with a bunch of 25-foot jump shots. Please, can someone explain that to me? Um, what makes it worse, too, is that in the final quarter on his 26th birthday, Carl Anthony Towns was three for three from three-point range. So he was not, he was not just ha- having a good game. He was having an incredible quarter that screamed, finish the game, Carl, finish the game. And D'Lo's like, oh, you don't understand. Um, I can't explain it. I only hope one thing. I hope that that, um, that soundbite that Declan just played from Chris Finch post game, in which he was asked, I think, by John Krasinski about, like, John asked in the nicest way possible, what the hell are you doing? How does that happen? How does D'Lo get that shot? And I, I only hope that what Chris Finch said publicly was an effort to keep the peace, but that privately they said, D'Lo, come here. What are you doing? Now, but coming up next, we'll tell you how D'Lo built up so many Instagram followers. D-loading on Valley Sports North. Ice in the veins. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so so can I can I propose this, though, Phil? And you you uh, are, are far more of a basketball guy than me. So here, here's what I'd like to ask, though. If you go back and watch that play. Um, which in play which, are you talking about? In the- which... D'Lo took the took the shot with I believe it was five point six seconds left. The so, three so, with the three point so shot. So it's the three point I actually, shot. I actually didn't oh, mind that shot. It right. was an open shot. Right, but it's not. It's ninety eight ninety six. Um, he takes a three point shot, which it, which could have been and really was their last trip down the, the floor. Beasley took a long shot at the end, but that that was just a desperation heave. Um, here's my question about Finch though, and the play itself though. So. It's one thing that you liked the look. I get that. But if you go back and watch it, it's basically Ant D'Lo shot. Carl is Carl is off to the so, sort of in the corner, leaking out a little bit. Um, but it didn't look like there was any design that even really involved him. Uh, yep. So so exp- so explain what you saw there, because that's where I guess I'm confused. Like if that was the best shot available. I sort of get it more. Yeah. What I, so I actually, you know, of, of all the shots and all the hero ball and ball hogging that was happening there, I actually didn't mind that one. It was, it was a wide open look from three for mm-hmm. a, a good percentage three point shooter. Yep. And he clanked it. And then, by the way, if I remember right, Ant got the offensive rebound. He didn't lost it. And then he tried to take a step back. And people yeah. are on him because people are like, oh, did he forget the score? Like, cause he tried to step back and he lost the ball. Um, I don't know if he forgot the score, but I'm also okay not going to overtime with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I think they were trying to win the game. No so if you can it. hit a three-pointer in that spot, I'm yeah. fine with that. I think they should have been drying up three-pointers in that situation. And uh, and you, you don't want to extend the game against that team. Because that team, you know, watching that, I'll get back to your question in a second, but the biggest, most glaring difference last night, and that Suns team played... They were up 2-0 in the NBA Finals. Like, they went to Game 6 of the NBA Finals. They know exactly who they are late in games. Now, Milwaukee with Drew Holiday and Giannis and just the great defensive pressure they put on, they unlocked something halfway through the NBA Finals. But, you know, in almost every other situation, every other regular season game, every other series, 
They know exactly who they are inside five minutes of the fourth quarter. It's Chris Paul from the elbow. It's Devin Booker from 15 to 18 back to 25 feet. And then DeAndre Ayton inside when things break down. Like, they know the three different shots that they want to take. They know the three different guys in the pecking order that are going to get the ball. And you can't really stop it. Teams know what they're going to do, and they, they're, they're so yeah. The Timberwolves, and it's kind of understandable, like it's been, you know, it's new coaches, it's new players playing together, and Ant's like 20 years old. The Wolves have no idea who they are inside five minutes. They don't have any go-to structure, and that kind of brings me back to your question, which is why, why aren't they finding Cat more in these situations? Well, you know, in the half court, it's harder for Cat to just, like, create his own shot. Like, he's not the back-to-the-basket, automatic bucket Tim Duncan guy. Um, it is better generally in those situations when the ball kind of cycles. Maybe Cat starts, he throws a pass off a double, and then the spin cycle starts, and he winds up with an open shot or something. What I would love to see, and I have never coached basketball, I'm just a huge stan who keeps going back to the Wolves' ticket window and uh, getting my emotions toyed with. I would love to see things start with Ant because Ant is so great at getting to the basket and breaking things down. And he's become, at least with the eye test, a better decision maker. He's not perfect and flawless yet, but he's able to get to the hoop, maybe get fouled, so maybe he gets a couple free throws, but he draws defenders in, and he can either convert at the rim, maybe there's an and one in there, but the most likely scenario is he gets the ball to start the possession. He drives in, defense gets sucked in, and now it's spin cycle time. Now you got Towns out on the wing. You got D'Lo out on the other wing. You got Beasley in the corner. It seems like they're deferring too much to D'Lo starting some of these possessions. And he's also pretty good at getting to the rim, but he's so prone to just pulling up with a hand in his face or Mm -hmm. pulling up from like 25 or 26 feet. So I I think reordering the pecking order in the fourth uh, fourth quarter, instead of D'Lo being number one, which is what happened in the last four minutes, how about Ant is number one, and D'Lo and Cat are sort of secondary shooting options that also could, you know, get the ball off a pass and drive in. It just feels backwards. And last night it felt like they were just sort of desperately trying to find whatever was going to work. They went away from Cat. You know, Ant had a couple opportunities, oh. but it just felt it felt awkward, and it it doesn't feel like D'Lo should be leading and driving in those last three or four minutes. Well, and 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 with the way that Cat was playing in that last quarter, I just, I guess I don't get, because we are told that our guy, Finchie, is an offensive guru and genius. I don't understand how you have a guy who's had that good of game, and basically, and, and I don't know if this is on Finch, I don't know if it's on D'Lo partially, or hell, for all I know, it might be on Cat partially, but I don't know how on that particular possession, which is going to be absolutely key, you end up having cat basically be a non-entity in the play itself. Cause I, I believe the, pa- I believe the pass went ant D shot and cat is on and cat is basically by ant at that point in time. And he was covered, but, but he also was in, in um, for lack of a better term, no man's land. And that's what I didn't get. Cause I mean, this guy in that quarter, he was fantastic. Like I would be, I was surprised Finch did such a good job of, of like saying, well, I mean, we just tried to, he didn't have 
uh, disappointment. But look over here, the Iowa Wolves with another great performance Leandro in, in the G League. Leandro Bomaro, multi-talented young player. Coming up next, the Wolves <laughs> draw plays and they allow everyone to be included. And then later on, we talk about Jaden McDaniels. Why getting three fouls immediately means he is oh, aggressive. Man. But anyway, so yeah, that that was the one thing that confused me. But that was a fun game to watch. It was. It was, it was fun th- game I, to watch. I think one you know one thing is if they if they had won a few of the games like the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans have one win still this season against the Timberwolves. Or if they had won, you know, what was the Clippers game? They were up by like twenty points in the first Clippers game. Orlando here, Orlando. You know, if because you're okay to win that game. If they had come in, and what's their record today? It's four and nine. So they were four and eight going into last night. You know, let's say they were seven and five because they beat Orlando, the Pelicans, and they hang on to a twenty point lead against uh, the Clippers. If they're seven and five and they're playing one of the best teams in the NBA, and you just like lose a heartbreaker. Okay, like things to learn, but instead of it feeling that way, it feels like oh, it's the same patterns repeating themselves. Whether you're playing the Suns at home or the Pelicans or the Magic, like they just keep making the same mistakes. The other thing that really bothered me, and some people misconstrued this as passion, when the referees made a couple weird calls that went against the Timberwolves, yeah, and then what happens is instead of just dealing with it and responding with buckets and defense. They start to get demonstrative and emotional, and Carl Anthony Towns just literally starts having a temper tantrum on the court last night, and he, and the and the crowd was chanting like "Screw you, refs" or refs something or "BS, refs, you suck." Refs, and you Towns suck. is Towns is doing the KG implored, thing on yeah, the score table, like to get louder, which is just stupid. It's like, dude, you're you're, you're you that. already got a technical. You're you're probably going to get tossed if you you know. Well, he didn't, thankfully, but like. People see that and they're like, "Yeah, it's emotion." It's like it's, but it's not. It's not like Kobe emotion. It's petulance. Yeah, it's not channeled. It's not channeled. He had to be pulled from the game because he was like yes, out and, of his mind. And and the so so Ant Ant got called. Um, he didn't get a call, and he he actually he is very fortunate not to get kicked out. He bumped the ref. It was sort of by accident, but sort of not. And he got a T. And it was shortly after that that they didn't get another call. And Cat got the T. And yeah, Cat's imploring the crowd as they're chanting, ref, you suck, ref, yeah. to get louder. Number one is you think you're going to get a ton of calls after that act. Yeah. The other thing was, though, and, and this is the interesting thing about being at, at games. Watch Chris, Chris Finch never changed. Like he knew that Cat was so far gone that that if he got mad, it was going to accelerate it, mm-hmm. and and so because I mean that should be the coach's job. Like Cat should remain as calm as possible. It's fine to, to be mad, but just try to stay calm. And if if a person has to get teed up, it should be Chris Finch. Chris Finch had to remain purposefully non-emotional because Cat uh, was so mad. And then the the guy to watch at games that I love, like totally for. The most part, because he he can go nuts at times. But Patrick Beverly, he's so fun. I, but he goes. That over. was the first game against Chris Paul since the suspension. Yes, I think, and right? they were fine. It was really weird. We like, pat there each was other nothing. on the butt. Like they yes. probably talked in the off season. Yes. Yeah. So so, but Beverly goes over during the next timeout after that entire sequence to the official, and as play begins, is talking to him 
but just quietly and like politicking. And I think he was basically trying to calm things down. And most importantly, like Cat had put on such a display that hurts his team. Yeah. So. Yeah, dude, hits. Uh, but then I think he so he did channel the emotion for the rest yes. of the game. I mean, to his credit, he came back out. He played with fire and passion, and and you want to see that. I think it's so hard because I want to be able to watch that game and the end of that game and feel like, oh man, they almost had the Suns. Look at this team turning a corner, man. They almost had it. But it's like I can't ignore all the other meltdowns earlier this season. I can't ignore the fact that they just laid down and quit in the first half against the Clippers off a of back-to-back where they beat the Lakers the night before. You know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess just to back up a step, I mean, should we be viewing this game in a different way? Like, because in an, in an alternate universe, if you can ignore 17 years of the same Wolves game and season playing out time and time again, right, outside of the Jimmy Butler fun run. Yeah. Um, if you can just ignore all of that history, if you can ignore the first, you know, the, the meltdowns early this season, they played one of the best teams in the NBA. Super tough last night. They played really good defense. Cat had an outstanding game. Anthony Edwards had a miserable shooting night, but he was he so active. He's rebounding and he's passing. He and, had 12 boards, I think. Yeah, like he finds other ways to impact the game, yes. and then he knocks down a couple big shots. And, yep. you know, I guess is there a more sort of, optimistic or positive way that we should be looking at this game? Or is it like, God, you guys keep making the same mistakes and D'Lo keeps playing hero ball. Yeah, Dude, you're, you're diet Kobe, diet, diet Kobe. You're not, yeah, that, you, you, yeah. you shouldn't be playing hero ball. Get your teammates involved. Um, if they, if they actually at the end there um, make shots or take shots with players that make the most sense, I, I think our, our uh, discussion about this game this morning is completely different. So I think our problem, rightfully so, is is what you're saying, Phil, which is D'Angelo Russell's need to take control of a situation that he shouldn't. That's the problem. So if they lose a close game and Cat takes that that shot, or you know what, hell, Ant does because he's Ant. I who, who I also like more. Mm-hmm. I think we are. Um, I think the Wolves fans are disappointed, but it's like okay, but D'Lo just sort of he. I find him. And, and Beasley, when it's not going well, and and Bees actually shot well last night for the most part. But yeah, I find I find them to be anchors. They just bring things down. They just bring things down. And like Cat was trying to lift this team up. Ant didn't have a great scoring night, but like when you watch him, he does a lot of things to like lift the team up. Also, he was excellent defensively last night. Yes. No, he, it, it doesn't show up on the box score as much because, right. like, you can't quantify it with a shooting percentage. No, but Ant was like, Ant he was a lot. so dialed in defensively last mm-hmm. night. But I think our problem is the is the fact that D'Lo was the guy who decided, okay, it's my time now, and we're like, oh, hold on a second, this is not how it's supposed to work, D'Lo. But he's not going to get that. But Jake Lehman doing a lot for charity yeah. throughout the community. Find out next. Uh, Valley Sports. Coming up next on Valley Sports North, Nas Reed stood in front of me the entire time, so I couldn't see the game, but he's passionate about basketball. I'll show you the back of Nas's head. Were you at the game last night? Yeah. Was oh, Nas was just standing there in his Nas, street clothes? Nas, like, yes. He, he, well, Excuse me, they, sir. Excuse me. Could you, could you now, sit down? They now stand in front, or, or there's, a, there's seats, like, on a bench in, in front of the uh, press table, which goes 
which is in the corner. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't blame guys. They get excited. They stand up, right? <laughs> but stand- they're mammoth human beings. They're yeah. basketball players. <laughs> they're six foot eight. So if a six foot eight man stands up, none of us can see. And so yeah. at least uh, the scoreboard's nice. So I don't know, man. It's, um, I, I I wish I wish that they had gone into that game seven and five so that you could feel like oh, ho, 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 this team. Uh, I will say they are a game and a half out of the ten seed right now. Look oh, fired up! Game and a half out of the ten. Fired up! Wave the flag! Wait, hold on, wait, hold on. Sorry, I got the wrong music for that. Okay, they're a game and a half out of the ten seed. <laughs> the neighbors are like, Sorry, "Oh my Stella. God, there's a dog dying in that house right now." Stella's like, "What? Crazy yeah, what the hell is Dad doing today?" Off. Yeah, I'm, I'm here on the couch trying to get some sleep, and the old man's uh, making a racket. Uh, shout out, hey, to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company for uh, protecting companies' risk management, helping business owners sleep better at night. That's what they specialize in: maximizing the success of your business. You can find out about all the different tools, resources, and people that Federated brings to the table at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, boys, Mackie and Judd, uh, every single Tuesday, we do a little segment we like to call Who Gets It and Who Doesn't around the Minnesota sports landscape and beyond. And I think we should throw it to Declan Goff here to lead us mm-hmm. off yeah. with this one. Let's, uh, let, let's start with a guy who does get it. And that guy is Kevin Garnett. And it's a little bit of a combined one here. I think Kevin Garnett gets it. And I sure hope Mark Lore and Alex Rodriguez get it as well. KG went on Jimmy Kimmel earlier this week. And uh, and Kimmel noticed that he was obviously getting his number retired by the Celtics and was curious on, well, why aren't you getting your number retired in Minnesota? But what amazes me is that, I mean, you are quite clearly far and away the greatest Minnesota Timberwolves player of all time. I mean, there's no question about it. How is it possible that the Celtics have seen fit to retire your jersey, but the Minnesota Timberwolves still have not? Well, if you know anything about the Boston Celtics, they're, they're known for their championships and their, the way they do things. Uh huh. They do things in a championship way. I see. And that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> if, um,. Because I love the city of Minneapolis, and I'm not here to crap on anything, and someone has a franchise, and the way they want to run their franchise is up to them. Right. They have new matter. owners, though, right? I don't know. I haven't been really keeping up with them. You haven't? <laughs> I, keep up with Kat, I keep up with the young fella Edwards, but no. Okay, wow. Yeah. I lo- real quick, I love that he keeps up with Cat and Anthony Me Edwards. Too. I will say that. The fact that he's sort of stealth in their DMs or whatever mm-hmm. that means, I'm, I'm here for that. I think... Three things pop off to me there. Number one, KG still loves Glenn Taylor. That's not breaking news, but he still rightfully so despises Glenn Taylor. Uh, my second takeaway is A-Rod and Mark Lore, have you not even like extended an offer or reached out to KG? And I know KG's not the easiest person to deal with, but for a team right now that needs all the good PR you can get and not alienating your fan base even more, bringing Kevin Garnett back in some capacity, whether it's honoring him, retiring his jersey, this is fixable. And continuing to ignore it, I think, is a humongous slap in the face to a, to a fan base that loves basketball in this town and loves Kevin Garnett. And I, I do love that he still keeps up with Cat and Ant. I actually even wonder 
with him keeping up with Anthony Edwards, if that does help bridge some type of gap? Because there's a lot of KG in mm-hmm. Ann Edwards. There's no, there's no gap to be bridged until Glenn Taylor is out completely. There's just, and, and notice in that clip how he said someone owns a franchise. He said, like, someone owns a franchise and they can run it however they want to. He won't even say Glenn Taylor's name. But, he, and he, but he's not talking about Mark Laurie and A-Rod. Sure. And he knows that those guys are bought in, but they're not going to be because Glenn Taylor wants a two-and-a-half-year runway. Or I guess if you want to believe that Mark Laurie uh, and Alex Rodriguez combined don't have enough money, they make it sound like, oh, those guys are short on funds. Like, I think those guys could probably find a way. Mark Laurie has sold companies to Amazon and Walmart and is building a city of the future that's going to be – Multiple, multiple billions of dollars in budget to build. It's called, uh, is it Telosa? Something like that. Yeah. The Telosa Timberwolves. No, it's not bad. So I can guarantee you there is no bridge for KG to cross. He doesn't want to until Glenn Taylor is completely gone from the organization. But it makes me, I'm actually, I, cu- I, take, I take that clip and think, oh, I'm glad that he's in touch with Anthony Edwards. That yeah. makes that makes me smile inside. So, but that clip encapsulates the entire problem of this transfer process, which is Glenn Taylor is the is the what ten thousand pound gorilla who isn't going to go away until he's finally gone. Like, like that's my problem. Is is I want I want these guys to like step in and transition in and be like more involved and yeah. so like glenn is okay glenn bye go home now oh you know what you don't have to come to tonight's game right and the problem is that it's really clear from what kg's saying and he's probably not wrong is that you know this is still glenn's baby this is still it's my team it's good and and this is what phil two more years of this yeah like that that's the problem that's the problem the quicker that glenn could be like well if you need something call me you know i'm in the book Mankato, but instead it's going to be this trans. It, it's going to be this uh, slow transition about. Well, you really don't own the team yet, and that is going to keep the Timberwolves being the Timberwolves for far too long. And there's also a lot of people that will partially correctly point out, "Hey, KG's a pain in the ass too. He's sure. cantankerous. He's not his public facing persona is not always what it is behind the scenes." He holds grudges beyond the point where most normal people hold grudges. And those things are all true. I don't know KG personally, but, like, we all know enough people that have been around him personally that, like, yeah, there's there's some things behind the scenes that are tough to deal with. I don't put this on KG at all. though. Glenn Taylor has been one of the three to four worst owners in professional sports yep. for the last 25 years. And he has done nothing to me to earn any sort of benefit of the doubt and really, like, if you boil it down, as an owner of a franchise, what are the big picture things that you need to focus on? Hiring the right people to lead it, which he's whiffed on time after time, and maintaining great relationships with the most prominent figures in the organization's history. We can rag on the Twins for their current state of things and how in God's name they're, like, back in a rebuild after where they were two years ago as the best power-hitting offense in baseball history. But they do a lot of things right as an organization in terms of you know they're pretty steady from a front office standpoint. If you know they're not championship caliber, their but alumni like, loves them. The alumni loves them. them. They're That's constantly the, the, the Rod Carews. The alumni right? the, think so easy. Yes, reach out to those people, bring them all back, make, make them, them feel. feel important. I mean, Glenn Taylor's actively has alienated not once but twice the best player in franchise history, and it's not close. And we yeah. are talking about and KG is a pain. 
I'm willing to bet Kobe was a pain because well, they're super competitive and smart dudes. But we're talking about retiring his number. Like, like this is not. Well, he, but he doesn't want it. He, they've no, offered that, that. He doesn't want it. No, I know. But he. But that's how bad th- that he feels the relationship is. And he's probably not wrong. My, my point is the repair here is to get him in the building to retire his number. It's not like, please come back and be president of basketball ops right. or something like that. It's this very simple thing. And Glenn can't even accomplish that yeah. because he created so much ill will. That's the problem. Also, you know, the Vikings, again, we're hard on the Vikings because, guys, it's time to win a championship. Let's not be settling for eight, nine wins and being happy. So there's things to pick on with the Vikings, too. But, again, they do such a great job with alumni and ring of honor. And even, like, take Randy Moss, for example. Randy Moss had two different falling outs with the Minnesota Vikings. The first one where they had to trade him. And then the second one, he comes in for three weeks, burns it all down, you know, gives double middle fingers to the coaching staff and the entire organization, and then goes on his way. And Randy Moss comes back for Monday Night Football, comes back for Ring of Honor, like retired jersey, whatever all the ceremonies are. I love Minnesota. Love me the Vikings. He's rooting for the Vikings on national TV every time they do picks. Dude had two falling outs, two falling yes. outs with the franchise, and he's back because they, they know how to deal with the most important players in their franchise. Glenn does not. And if Glenn, if Glenn had an employee who he assigned to go kiss KG's feet and say, we are sorry, we screwed up. You know, all we want is to put 21 in the rafters. We are sorry, sorry, sorry. And you did that for six months. KG is probably going to break and be like, okay, I'll come back. He doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. But like, this is a two-sided feud and it's completely, in my opinion, incumbent on one person. And that's Glenn, the person that owns the team. To fix it, it's not on KG. And and look, the twins and and Vikes both had at one time, I wouldn't say acrimonious, but not great relationships with past greats. Harmon Killebrew and the twins, like, but guess what the twins did? They went and worked their butts off to be like Harmon. We are sorry. We need you, Carew. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, this is all on Glenn to solve. Nick Punto. Nick Punto just had a major falling out with the Twins. They brought him back for a softball yeah, event. The son of a buck was always <laughs> sliding into first base. But anyway, this is on Glenn, and that's what's frustrating because he won't go away from the team and just go go home and watch the games on, on his TCL TV. Wow, look at you. Always a, always a pitch man. And drink his surly in his man. chill, boys, <laughs> while on the Livia plan. <laughs> Uh, moderation, folks. That's the key yep, to life. All right. Moderation. I'll give you another uh, another Wolves-related one here of who gets it. Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, but but this is more Mark Laurie-focused. Okay. I don't know if you guys saw the story yesterday, but the Timberwolves were fined $250,000 for violating league rules that prohibit teams from arranging or paying for off-season practice or group workout sessions for their players outside of a team's home market. So you can't take your team and travel down to wherever, Miami in this case, and have a big – or the, the Timberwolves brought – they did a big kumbaya session and brought everyone to Alex Rodriguez's house, and Mark Laurie was there. And why does – and you might say, well, that's awfully stupid. You're violating league rules and getting fined a quarter of a million dollars. And I say, when you've got a quarter of a million dollars to wipe your behind with, if it's worth it for the team building, you should spare no expense. And so I love that Mark Laurie's cutting <laughs> these corners, being edgy, <laughs> Saying, I don't care. Let's bring everyone down. We'll drink some champagne, talk life, and bond together. Here, NBA. Here, Adam Silver. Here's $250,000. Here's the other thing. I say that sort of tongue-in-cheek, but Mark Laurie has been traveling to every road game the first three weeks of the season here. 
Yep. So I had a chance. I um I was just kind of curious, like, what is his impact with this franchise, and what what has he been up to the first few weeks of the season here? And so I did some sleuthing, and uh, so not only is he traveling with the team, and, and like you know he's posting on Instagram last night. It was a hard fought, you know, close game, tough loss. Happy birthday, Carl Anthony Towns. He has hired Damian Lillard's personal basketball trainer who also works with like 15 or 20 other NBA guys. And, uh, and he's traveling around the country. And they, like the other day, they literally got workout space at USC's practice facility so that A-Rod and Mark Laurie could go through a 90-minute basketball workout. So he was like, he knew basically nothing about basketball when he bought the Timberwolves. And he has hired people around him to catch him up to speed on how to play basketball basketball pop culture he has people that are literally giving him like lists of basketball movies and documentaries to watch to catch him up to speed Mm -hmm. on you know the knowledge base you need to own an nba franchise Mm -hmm. he's asking questions about x's and o's to people that are trained in such things so i love the fact that he has immersed himself all in with all the different projects he has going on he's traveling with the team he's learning how to play which is amazing he's learning uh basketball pop culture and uh, I just love it. I think Mark Lowry ultimately is going to be a rock-solid owner of this franchise, but uh, Glenn Taylor still looms for a couple more years. The fact that you did not play the Valley Sports North bed below that was a shame. <laughs> no, I'm not. This is That no. was a shame. No. Coming up next, Mark stop Lowry. Mo- stop mocking my positivity. <laughs> Coming up next, Mark Lowry shows us his <laughs> basketball skills <laughs> with the Z, as you kids like to say. So stay tuned. Z. All right. No, it's fine. You can mock me. It's fine. Yeah. When Mark Laurie and I are, uh, you know, hoisting a championship trophy here in uh, about five years. Mark Laurie with, 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 uh, um, who, who was by him last? Oh, Fitzy. Larry Fitzgerald Jr. Because he owns part of the Suns. He does. Courtside, man. He's bringing some star power. Mark Lawrence bringing some star power to courtside. It's actually. Yeah, I wonder who's right. advising him on like which Minnesota celebrities know. to. Somebody definitely. Eric is. Kendricks, Rachel Banham, yeah. Mackie you know, and Judd. Judd, yeah. Judd Zolgat. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sure he'll be inviting me soon. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Dex and Phil both did Who Gets It? So I will uh, start mine with who does not and this is hilariously funny did you guys see the story yesterday for the sixth time i believe in their franchise history we have a packers stock sale yes that's right three hundred dollars now for the piece of paper three hundred dollars to buy a piece of paper that gives you zero control zero influence zero anything it's a piece of paper to frame. It is now 300 bucks, so the Packers can take your money and invest it where they want. I, I think it has to be in the team or stadium upgrades, but still. Um, it's certainly it, not on Odell Beckham Jr. No, it's Hey-o. not, and it, and, and it is the greatest scam in sports, as far as I'm concerned. There is no better well, scam. It, it, it's so like the a, Packers get it, but anybody who buys this godforsaken piece of paper and puts it on their, their wall – for $300 doesn't get it. Isn't it kind of amazing that there's an NFL fr- – what's the NFL worth now? Like $12 billion, oh. $15 billion or no something? Yeah. All these teams are worth multiple billions of dollars, and yet you still have one of – and it's the most – I would say the English Premier League and the NFL are like – those are the two top dogs in the world in terms of sports leagues, right? And yet you've got one of these franchises that's literally run like a Patreon page or a Kickstarter account. Or it's like, yeah. 
hey, if you if you donate three hundred dollars, you'll get nothing, but you can support our blog or our podcast, right? And I shouldn't mock it because you know the three of us might be there in six months for all we know, but. Uh, it is hilarious that, like, all right, uh, here's a certificate, and you can have a star named after you, too. Bart Star. But, It'll be but, great. Yeah, exactly. But I continue to ask one question in 2021. How is this still allowed? Like, like they claim. Why don't they have an owner? Like, why can't, like, can't someone just come in and buy the Packers? I have no idea. But, it's weird. But what they say is because because we don't have one deep pockets person, we need to have these sales to raise funds. And I say, this is such a scam. It is such a scam. And and the, the worst part is a team now can't be like, you know what we should do? We should we should uh, sell our team and have people buy stock. And then we'll be just like the Packers and can do these stock sales. But no, no other teams are allowed now. to do that. You're not right? allowed yeah. to do that now. So yeah. I, but I mean, 300 bucks. Think okay, but that. what's the bigger scam though? Is it Green Bay, which is... Asking diehard Packer fans to fund stadium upgrades and yep. only diehard Packer fans. Yep. Or the Minnesota Vikings getting all of the public, whether they care about the Vikings or not, to pay a half billion dollars for a new stadium. Well, I think the brilliant scam is the Packers. Because, like, like, you could argue that... I mean, that... The, Vikings, the Vikings pitched electronic pull tabs yeah. as a viable revenue source to get to $500 million right. for a new stadium. I don't have a problem, Which though. Which it's not, by the way. <laughs> I don't have a problem with taxes being used to help things in your town. Schools, stadiums, like things that make it better. My School, issue... Schools, stadiums. Well, I'm not big on <laughs> the same thing. Schools Education. Yeah. Well, football. And cheap seats. Which is, which is why... Education. We, no, no, no. Sports. No, no, and no. And the no. NFC North. <laughs> to be very clear. To be very clear. All sports, okay? All sports and then schools. And then schools. Schools are like 15. Coming up next, we'll tell you why the NFC North is key to your child's education. What's more important, your kid's education or the Vikings-Packers game on Sunday? 15, really, 15% tax and a pack of smoke so, yeah. we, can, so we can get this Look, funded. And we should have gambling. We should have sports. Sports should. gambling would pay for everything. We should. But the Packers thing is such a ruse because it's 300 bucks per person, and they'll get it for a piece of paper that they can then invest in their team. Do you remember? It was like, this is like early Mackie and Judd. 1500 ESPN, you know, four hour radio show. And we got into this discussion. It was like 250 bucks at the time or something for a Packers ownership slip. And some guy called in just classic cliche, like some guy from Milwaukee or something. You guys need to stop making fun of it. You know, I've been a Packers owner for 25 years and this and this. And then like our bumper music was playing to end the show basically. And I, and I asked him, all right, just Gary or Bob or whatever the guy's name was. Just answer one question for me. So you're a Packers owner. Do you also have a star named after you? And he, and he paused. He goes, yeah. <laughs> like, all right, dude. So you'll basically yep. just pay like hundreds yep. of dollars for anything with a certificate then. Yes. That's fine. I'm sure a lot of people listening also have stars named after them, and I'm that's fine. Just so? saying, like, don't pretend like you you don't, like, own the Packers. You get like you get to go to like a bagel meeting once every two years or something, right? Like you don't I think it's actually July, get to talk you to get Aaron Rodgers. Go to Lambeau okay. Field and sit there. Wait, wait, wait. Do you think a lot of people have stars? Oh, dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here, you're kidding my me. Co- my cousins have gotten them. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. How many people have stars in there? But 
That's incredible. It's a star's thing. named after people. Can you prove that your star exists? Yeah, you yeah. get a certificate, oh, yeah, you get a certificate and everything, certificate. man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you get a certificate, but mm-hmm. can they prove that? But, like, I mean, beyond that, that it's not just a ruse. And there's, like, I can tell you, hey, uh, I'm looking up in the sky right now. Oh, yeah, no, cloudy, you, but I can, you, you literally but get, I can see something. Yeah, you can, you can prove the authenticity of it, yeah. So oh there is, a, okay, God. there is an article from theconversation.com three years ago that says, so it's even more of a scam. Oh, this sounds familiar. Stars for sale, but no, you can't really buy an official star name to remember someone. It's like symbolic, which is exactly what that three hundred dollar Packer ownership certificate is. Does it say? Does it say what? I think it was like one hundred seventy five bucks. Yes, when we last checked it. Oh my god, that that is. Oh please, please, people, people, don't be investing. I I don't really care if your zodiac sign is like a Libra or Sagittarius, whatever. Like, if you're just a bad person, you're a bad person. That doesn't excuse like what quadrant of the zodiac sign you are either like i just i can't stand astrology oh that's it, the it, astrology it just, stuff yeah. it all blows oh, my people mind. are big on it's that all sorry yeah. i'm a yeah sorry, sorry. i'm a leo i'm a leo okay. uh, it's just oh, my personality you're just a d got I'm just a taurus yeah okay? got it. isolationist okay. okay sounds good all right sounds back good. to Declan. that wasn't my who doesn't get it shockingly but um who my, doesn't get, get it, it. astrology cancers yeah <laughs> Uh, who doesn't get it? You know what? I'll go down this vein. We talked with Pat about it, but I'll say the Toronto Blue Jays for extending Jose Barrios. They do not get it. Um, I like Jose. Oh, I th- the Blue Jays don't they get don't it. Get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. I like Jose. I think he's a very solid number two starter on, on a good team. Um, and the Twins were wise to get two decent prospects in return for him. And... A seven-year contract, about $18.7 million per. There's escalators that are going up in that, apparently, too, according to Jeff Passan and other baseball insiders, and he can opt out after year five. But the Twins, like, best-case scenario, right? They're going to be contenders in 2024. So three years from now, like, they'll be legitimate contenders. Hopefully, maybe they pop back up in the next year or two, but they probably won't be contending for any World Series aspirations for three years. Toronto hmm. gives him a humongous contract. I like Jose, but he has a lot of Lariano to him where he gets he can become a mental midget and just kind of tends to freak out. And it's it's different sports as well, but like Kirk Cousins doesn't, in my opinion, do enough for his price tag to lift up his team. I look at Jose, even with baseball being in a different vein there, I know that, that I don't think it's worth giving him all that money. Um, he's a nice starting pitcher, but I think the Twins were wise to punt, and Toronto is going to be on the hook for a, a good but not ace-caliber pitcher, so I'll say Toronto doesn't get it. And my comeback to that would be, okay, who pitches for the Twins next year? Because here's, and I, again, I don't know if I'm in love with a seven-year contract to a starting pitcher, so you know how many seven-year contracts have worked out in uh, you know a team's favor, I guess. But here's the problem. If the Twins can't develop a strong core of pitchers internally, which is what was promised five years ago. And not promised. Like, I hate using that word. They promised. Look, I mean, that was, that was, Derek Falvey was hired to be a pitching development guru that was going to oversee a great pipeline of young arms and that you could afford to let a Jose Brios walk because you got another one or five on the way. I mean, they've literally developed zero starting pitchers in five years. Like, am I missing someone? Because Barrios was sort of pre, you know, he had made, he had arrived pre, uh, no, they helped him. Like, they helped mold him as a young pitcher, so I'm not going to take all credit away. But if you can't develop four or five guys from within, you got to go get someone from the outside, either via trade or via free agency. And it's like, all right. They basically have four open spots in their rotation, maybe three if you think Bailey Ober is going to be you know, like a number four, number five starter. So I just, I mean, you can let Barrios walk, but like, 
There's a reason why Vegas has you as like the sixth least, the, the sixth from the bottom in terms of World Series odds because you don't have a pitching staff. Oh, fire the music. Come, come on. Come on. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Coming up next, we go home with Bailey Ober and find out why his parents love him so much. <laughs> That's straight ahead on Bally Sports North. There, I feel cleansed. It's like a cleansing when I do that. Oh, my God. Coming up next, greatest games in Twins history. Here's the five innings Barrios threw in the playoffs against the Astros. We're not going to talk about what happened after that, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> Rocco <laughs> won't take him out because we're going to cut the game off right where he came out to take him they, they go. They show you the first five innings of Barrios, and then they show the 10th inning of Jack Morris. Uh, yep. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Let's go to the postgame show. Uh all right, Judd, give us, give us one more. Who gets it, who doesn't, before we get to random season recall? Okay, I'm going to defend Declan's guy, who gets it. Teddy Bridgewater Thank is, you. Is, was criticized by his own coach, and I know if you go back and watch the, um, the, the return uh, by Darius Slay in the Eagles-Broncos game, that the Broncos got drilled in pretty badly on Sunday. Teddy made no attempt to tackle Slay, and, and he was right there, and he sort of, allowed him to go by, and, and I almost thought, that b- because he was so nonchalant about it, that he had been told, hey, dude, don't try and tackle guys, because he's been hurt, clearly, with the leg snapping and all that. Um, uh, Fangio uh, criticized Teddy yesterday. Teddy apologized, but here's my thing, and I've said this about Kirk, too. My rule of thumb for quarterbacks when things go awry, stop, drop, and roll. I don't want you trying to tackle guys because yeah. is it worth it? That's my question. Like if nobody else on the field, if no other offensive player, no. the other 10 guys no, can can tackle Slay, do I want Kirk Cousins, uh, Teddy, Tom Brady, Baker? Baker Mayfield yeah. hurt his non-throwing shoulder, I believe it was against the Texans, Dex, yeah. trying to make a tackle. Yeah, but, and he showed, has, but he showed his team that he's willing to sacrifice yeah, but, anything. Congrats. Right, but that but it's so stupid. These guys are your lifeblood. They are the key, the absolute fundamental key to your team. And you're telling me he should have tried to bring down Darius Slay because Well, Darius Slay's not like 500 pounds. I mean, he's No, I don't want him involved though because yeah. if you stay up, the stop, drop and roll is based on on this. When a ball is loose or picked off, the quarterback is targeted. He is fair game. Anybody can target him. So if he goes after Slay, I can, and and he stops him, if I can get on both of of them and come down as hard on Teddy's shoulder as I possibly want, not trying to tackle a guy, if you're a quarterback, unless it's a playoff game, is the smartest thing, stay healthy. Yeah, unless your head coach's name is Vic Fangio, Fangio. in which case you need to lay on the tracks, dude. Lay on the tracks. I thought he told him to because, like, he allowed the guy to go by, and I was like, okay, that's fine. And then fans are like, oh, you didn't, Teddy didn't want it. Teddy didn't. And I got a note last night, Twitter, well, if Cousins did the same thing, Judge, you'd be the first to criticize him. That's true. No, no, I wouldn't. That's that's BS. That's (laughs) BS. Drop to the ground. You are free to be hit at that point. No, I wouldn't have. No, I wouldn't have. I said it last year. Get down. Get down and get out of the play. So I'm defending Declan's guy here. I'm taking up the mantle, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy's a coward. It's just it's the same people that look at 14 touchdowns in his tenure 
and just think he's he's a bust of a of a player and he's a hell of a leader and people root for him. Um, I, I this has happened before. Jay Cutler, this happened to Jay Cutler a few years back too when he was with the Bears. Tom Brady sat there with his hands on his hip the other day during a pick six. No one said crap, and I know Get it's down. the goat, Tom Brady. It happens. Like I don't want my Tom quarterback Brady's also doing like that. Fifty years old. So also I feel get like down. His, his bones will just like dissolve into dust if he tries to tackle. Hit oh, no. the ground. Hit the ground. Get down. Stop, drop, and roll. Fetal position. You guys That's can talk about Bridgewater being an amazing leader. I don't know if I could follow a guy that uh, doesn't lay his body on the Football. line in that situation. So terrible. Terrible. That's uh, who gets it, who doesn't here on Mackie and Judd. Don't forget, too, Vikings vent line. Well, I, I threw these numbers out on, on Twitter yesterday. Thank you, guys, the audience. You helped. So Vikings vent line on Halloween night, that was the devastating loss to the Cowboys. So partial thanks to the Vikings for always just, like, pissing everyone off. But we had over 50,000 downloads and plays of Vikings vent line from Halloween night, it was the the uh, largest episode of Vikings Vent Line ever. So thank you all. I think it was like fifty five thousand or something. So appreciate all of you. Vikings Vent Line has just become the most fan friendly and interactive show uh, at Score North and probably in all of Minnesota sports. So right after this game is over, Vikings Packers. Either way, I think this is going to be hot. Lit. Could be this lit. It's going to be hot. Lit, <laughs> lit, just like the kids say. There you go. Could just be lit. like the kids and Judd say. So, all right, Judd, you've asked for it. Yep. Declan's got random season recall here, and I won't steal his thunder, but you've been asking for it. Judley, the 1983-84 Minnesota North Stars. Oh, this is a good club. Wow. All right. I was born in 1985. Okay. It will be basically zero. I know Lou Nanny. Friend of the show. And John Casey. But you stuck. No. Is he on that team? No, no. Okay. You are. You are then well, I know Louis Lou Nanny was, was the GM. Louis was the GM. Louis was the GM. Friend of the show. Um, Friend I am of the show. shocked that you have not studied North Star history. All right, Judd. So I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm just going to probably sit here and chime in with one liners or something. Okay, so Judd. At all. The 83 84 North Stars did win the Norris that year. Oh, they were good. Yep. That's a good, that, that's a good club. Yeah. How many points for that Norris winning? Minnesota North Stars team in 83-84. I'll give you five okay. on either side, too, by the way. I'll give you five. I'm not going to ask for the exact number. That was a really good era because those two years, for a couple years there, they got really good. I'm going, I'm going to say they had 90 points. 90 points. 90 points. That sounds great, yeah. 89. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Phil yeah. agreed. 89. Yeah. 89. 89 yeah. points. Okay. 89 points. Yep. Nice job. Great teamwork there. Yep. Yep. Phil, I'll, I'll consult with Good you. Good job. Because <laughs> I know that when we get show. in the weeds, Mackie and I'm Judd just going to catch up on Phil, some text Phil, here real quick. Phil's like know. sending notes to people. <laughs> Memo and to I'm self. Not, by the way, I'm not cheating. I'm I'm, I'm texting here. Me- just, okay. Memo to self. Just on. Just Fire on. Declan. Interesting Pocho. email Firing that we can talk about. Ross Rendell. Yes. Look for new partner. All right, so Judd, the <laughs> the North Stars reached the Western Conference Finals that year. Mm-hmm. Who did, were the two teams they beat though to get there in the postseason? 
Norris Division. That, that is back in the day, Phil. When you Phil, when you yeah. Why did we name the divisions like what? So we East West legends. isn't good enough. Hockey hockey legends. I like leaders Hans, and legends when the big Con Smythe, Clarence Campbell, Bruce Norris. I believe it was owned the Detroit sure. Red Wings. Um, there was the Smythe division. There was the Patrick and Ash What would it be now? So we'd, we would have the Gretzky. We would have the Lemieux. Oh, oh this is good. Oh, I, I love like that this. idea. That is uh, the Howe. The Howe would go have back. one. Yep, Gordy Howe. The Orr. Bobby Orr. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. The Gretzky, for sure. No question. And the, the, and the probably the Lemieux. The I mean, Lemieux. Oh. Yeah. Actually, you know what? It would be the Gretzky Conference. It wouldn't be a division. Okay. He'd get a conference. So here, here's my guess. Gretzky gets a conference. Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe gets a conference. Over to Howe. Back to Eiserman. Back. The Zucker. <laughs> back to back to Andre Richard. Back to Wall. Wall stops, it goes wide. Over to Bobby Hole, who passes it to Brett Hole. Back to Bobby oh, Hole. Oh, God. Gets it back to the point for Bobby Orr. He dances along the blue line. Okay, I'm sorry. Wait. All right, back, back, back to the uh, random I'm season sorry. recall. Who do they beat in the postseason that year? Okay, it's the Norris Division, so they, they played the Oilers in the conference finals, but they had to get through their division before that. Yeah, the, Blue, it, the Blues are the Blackhawks, right? I think you're correct. I think I think I think Phil just jumped in and got I mean, it. Is it Blues the Blues? Blackhawks? Yep. They beat both that. the Blues and wait, did they win two series? Yeah. No. The yeah. Blues and the Blackhawks? They they got to they got to the conference final against the Oilers. So yes. They Blues won and Blackhawks. Final guess. Yeah, let's go Blackhawks Blues. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, amazing. Unbelievable! Do you believe in miracles? You got ten seconds! You got nine seconds! Five! Do you believe in miracles? Whisperer! Oh, the Whisperer. Just hanging out here. All right, the Whisperer is going to go back to checking some emails here. Okay, Okay, now fire Ross Brendel as well. I don't like what he's doing. Okay. (laughs) All right, Judley. Uh, Neil Broughton led the team in points that year. Okay. How many points for Broughton? I'll give again five on either side. He oh. played in 76 regular season games, if that helps. 76 regular season games. They they had 80 back then, so just four. He missed four. Yeah, and, and that's back when that is back at the time when scoring was pretty prolific as well. 93 points. 93 points. Final guess. 93 points. Five Final on guess. Either, five on either side. 89 wow. points. 89 points for Broughton. Sneaks Sounds in. 28 bad. goals, 61 assists mm. for Broughton. Uh, Broughton, games. Yeah, that's good. Broughton was also one of five players, Judd, to score 28 goals or more that season for that North Stars team. Yep. Who were the other four players? Dino was one for sure. I'll guess Dino Cicerelli. Yeah. That's one. Dino Cicerelli, man. Great name. Mm, uh, there, uh, there was young Brian Bellows on that team. I'm Brian Bellows. <laughs> Wait, 
the wrong SNL skit. August Bellows. Wow. Two more. Two more. Oh, God. Hold on. So this is 83, 84. So we had... All right. So the top line was... Broughton, Cicerelli, Tommy Mack, McCarthy. Bellows was on the second line. Okay, I'll go McCarthy because he's the third guy on that that line. Tommy McCarthy. One more. One more. Pretty impressive. This is pretty impressive. I feel like Judd has put his money where his mouth yeah. was here. Complaining about the t- 2005 wild challenges here and saying, give me some North Stars. Well, we, cr- we, we, we did crush that one once I got the year right for remembering what year we were talking about. We did crush that one. But, yes, that 2005 one was ugly. Um, all right. So, so there's a fourth one? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to a left winger. I'm going. I'm going to guess Steve Payne. Fi- mm. Final guess, Steve Payne. It's a pretty good guess. Steve Payne wow, done nailed it, dude. dude. Wow, wow Judd. Dude, um, look at that. So, so the, Steve Payne in the second round against the Blues. Okay, uh, Game Seven at Met Center went to OT. And Steve Payne scored the winning goal against Mike Leute in OT. And Payne was a pretty prolific scorer, so that's why I guess Steve Payne. Okay. Steve Payne, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Uh, yes, he oh. was a big fan. Interesting. Daily listener of the old uh, Maggie okay. and Judd show. Yeah. All right, Judd. Let's, let's, uh, we'll dig deep on this one. Who led the team with 316 penalty minutes that season? Keep in mind, there was four players who racked up over 132 penalty minutes. Oh, that's yeah. the old NHL, is, okay? That's the this old is NHL. The beauty, yeah. yeah. There was, uh, I remember one fight? time. You guys want to fight? Judd and I had, actually, Judd might have been out this day, but we had uh, Chris Knuckles Nylon on the show. I was show. out. That sucks. I was out. And so he was doing a, do- he, there was a documentary showing at St. Anthony, Maine about the career of Chris Knuckles Nylon. He was one of the great fighters of the 80s. This was like right in the wheelhouse of, he didn't play for the Wild or the North Stars, but right. Um, it's a, if you're interested in '80s fighting culture in hockey, it's an amazing documentary. He played for Montreal and Boston um, and San and, Jose at and, one point. Too. Yeah, and then he he actually he actually dated somebody or was um, nice. had an acquaintance with a woman who was either what Whitey Bulger's daughter or like niece. <laughs> this is and amazing. he said what Whitey called him in. One day, and basically said, "Don't screw this up." And yeah, you got to be a tough guy if that's the company it, that you're. Yeah, and Chris was like, "Okay, cool, thanks, dude, bye." Um, so, so I'm going to tell a little bit of a story here uh, to 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 set up my guess. Okay. Um, the, the game, the game, I told you about game. This seven, is like this is like when, this is like when someone gets to the end of who. Yeah. This is when someone gets to the end of who wants to be a millionaire, and they make you think like they don't know the million dollar answer, and they're like. All right, I'm gonna uh, 
I'm going to phone a friend. Remember that one guy who said, I'm going to phone a friend? Yes, it was and he gets his mom on the phone or yeah. whatever. His daddy goes, to Dad, I'm about million, to win a million dollars. Million dollars. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. So, Game 7, Division Finals against the Blues. The the North Stars, uh, in the third period of that game, it was relatively late, it felt like. Uh, the game was tied. Went down by a goal. And I was like... That, that was the game where I decided I was never going to invest m- myself again as much as I was at that time because I was, like, freaking heartbroken. I'm like, they're going to lose. They're not going to get to the conference finals. Um, and then and then the puck was picked up by a big guy who didn't wear a helmet for the majority of his career, and he crossed center ice and from neutral let go with a howitzer of a slap shot. And Willie Plutch, uh shot beat Mike Leute fairly clean tied the score to set up the OT that Payne scored the goal in. But Willie Plutt, of course, was known far more as a fighter than as a scorer, probably. So I'm going to say Willie Plutt. Willie Plutt, final answer. Unbelievable. Wow. Dude. This is insane. This, this is so Willie impressive. Willie Plutt, baby. Holy Willie crap. Plutt. <laughs> Willie Plutt. Never question Judd Zolgad's 80s Stars knowledge. Amazing. I love this team. Final this one. Is my team. Final question, Judd. Who was the uh, primary goalie tandem that year for those North Stars? 83, 84. One star. Don Beaupre yep. was one of them. Okay. That's yeah. one. And uh, this was towards the end. But the other. Actually, hold on a second. Oh, my God. He has his jersey final, or something. The final answer oh is going goodness. to be the is going to be the, the, the jersey <laughs> of Gilly <laughs> He's got the jersey. Sign, sign. Show it big, Dex. Show it big. Show it full screen. It's signed. That's the real Milwaukee signature jersey. from back then. Oh my God, that is the greatest performance in the history. Of random season recall. Take that. I don't know that the segment can continue. It might, I I think we have to retire I it. I think Judd just killed the segment. I don't know. You didn't have a single wrong there. answer. There wasn't a single buzzer that entire segment. Oh, my God. It's my team. I love this team. I have yeah. a signed jersey from one of the goaltenders. Curtain call. And, and wait, wait, wait. Curtain call. And a Don Beaupre hockey card. <laughs> This I've got the goaltender tandem right here. Just gonna have to show it now amazing. a tattoo under his under his waist here. <laughs> no, this, you know, oh, look at this Brian Bellows logo. tattoo on my left logo ass right cheek. Yeah, what Brian Bellows at the time? Oh, I'm Brian Bellows. Right, Nin- Nineteen years old. Get that? Get that. Yeah. SNL reference. All right. Well, after that, wow, I don't know. Dude. I think that's that's the end of the Mackie and Judd show. This will be our last ever episode because there's nothing else to talk about after Judd just did that. Uh, actually, just kidding. Tomorrow's the day that we admit that we were wrong. Write that down, predictions. And yeah, yeah, we won't session. be right. I won't be right tomorrow, folks. Don't worry about Alex that. Alex Boone later on the Tuesday edition of Purple Daily. All right, uh, we'll go. We're gonna go celebrate with Judd here. Some <laughs> top shelf champagne. Curly. <laughs>